better late than never. I'm so sorry. I ended up having to run errands after work today and things got kind of crazy, but I promised that I was going to post an episode today. So that's what I'm doing. You guys wanted a part two on taking up space and being okay with it. That was shocking. (laughs) Can I just say this podcast in general and like the traction that it's had so far has been surprising. I was the kid who had talks too much on all of her report cards and my mother can attest to that. Um, So to think that like now at 29, people actually want to hear what I have to say and not only listen to it on the way to work or the way to the gym or whatever, but they resonate with it and like, they're like, holy crap, like, she gets me. Like, that, that's weird. I, I never thought that people thought the way I do, but apparently we're all a little loony. So, <laughs> um, today's episode is going to be, oh, a doozy. Um, I have a glass of wine with me, actually, because this is my fourth time trying to record this. And every time, I swear, I just start crying. Um, uh, we're going to dive into my struggles with body dysmorphia and eating disorders those are the trigger warnings for this episode Uh, as well as i am going to be touching briefly on my sexual abuse as a child kind of to provide a bit of context to where i'm going with all this so i am going to take a quick sip of my wine before we dive into this for the fourth time And we're going to try not to cry. (laughs) Mm. Okay. I guess the best place to start is... um, I've never really felt comfortable in my body. I remember, even at a very young age... uh, being in like dance classes and seeing kids my age just with much smaller statures. I I was always the kid that was a little chunkier. Um, Not in a sense that like I was fat. It's just, you know, I don't know what it is, but when I grew up, a lot of kids just had these like naturally flat stomachs and very petite bodies. And here I was, and I was a kid that had some meat on her bones. And I don't know. I, I just always felt like I had extra weight on me if I'm being honest there's a large possibility I've had body dysmorphia since I was a child (laughs) and it would make sense because um who my biological father my mom's first husband um He started molesting me when I was four years old. And I've been really vocal about it on like my social media in the past with, you know, friends on a private account. But it's a little nerve wracking to discuss on a podcast that could potentially become something that hundreds of people listen to, you know. Um, But my sexual abuse started at four years old. Um actually shortly before my fifth birthday because I remember my mom was 
pregnant with my sister, who was actually born a few months after I turned five. From a very young age, uh, because the abuse had started so young, um, my biological father had manipulated me into believing that um, wh what was happening was normal, that other people were doing it, that it was just like a thing, you know. Um, and, what, and what sucks about it is that I can remember the things that he would say and the manipulations that he would use to try to cover up uh, what was happening. And I just never thought to tell anyone, you know, I, I, I trusted him. Oh, I trusted him. One of the things that I've always struggled with is that Yes, he was my abuser, and it continued on for eight years before he died when I was 12. Um, but, you know, I remember memories when he was just a dad, <laughs> which is so weird because logically you're like you know you want to expel anything that was positive about this person because they were just such a horrible person but his blood runs through my veins my mother's does too and that is very important but his blood runs through my veins and that is something i cannot change or deny that being said i remember shortly after the abuse started I began seeing myself differently in the mirror. I was a kid who loved the mirror. I think I've always loved the mirror. I've always loved looking at myself. And my mom, my dad, certain friends, they, they all thought that it was a vanity thing. But it wasn't. I was always looking in mirrors because I was always looking to see what was wrong. And I know that sounds so it's just I would walk past mirrors and wonder how people saw me. I would wonder if they saw the things I was insecure about or the things that were poked and prodded about at me. You know, when I was a kid, my it, really my whole life, my mom tried to instill a lot of self-love and you know, you're beautiful and, you know, you're loved into my life and into my brain. But without trying or realizing it, she also projected a lot of her body issues on me, especially once I got older, because I was not built the way that she was when she was younger before children, the way my sister has always been built. I just never had that build. I've always had thick thighs. I've always had a butt on me. I've always had, you know, a chest. I mean, I think I started developing a chest like sixth grade, maybe even fifth grade. And it was something that apparently just never stopped happening because they are 
continuing to grow. It's, it's so annoying. <laughs> I think I just prayed too much for big boobs as a kid. But my mom would have these like reminiscent stories from when she was young and when she was thin and how she was just such a knockout. And I would never hear her speak with the same excitement or nostalgia or love when she would think about or talk about her body at its current point or where it was at that time, you know. My mom said for a long time that, you know, after she had kids, her body never went back to the way it was. And that's very true. My mom was very petite, um, but she gained weight through my pregnancy. And I'm pretty sure she might have gained weight through my sister's pregnancy, but, or, well, her sister, or my, ugh, when she was pregnant with my sister. Can you tell I've tried to do this four times and the wine is getting low? Okay. <laughs> but... It was funny because all the things that she saw as unattractive or less than about herself were things that I found beauty in over the course of my life. You know, my mom's body got her through so much. She carried two children to term and they were both born healthy. Her body got her through the torment and the stress of an abusive relationship that she stayed in for years before she finally left my biological father because that's another part of this is that you know we were in a structure where he was basically a stay-at-home dad but he was abusing my mom he was a drug addict who was unhinged and had mental issues and was abusive towards her and she worked a lot to try to make sure that we had what we needed as a family because she never thought that she'd have to worry about the man she chose to marry violating their children. I mean, God, luckily he never got the chance to do anything to my sister because she was born five years later and I was very adamant about not leaving her alone with him at any time. I mean, I was attached to my sister at the hip when she was a baby because I knew I knew something wasn't right. I just didn't know what. I also remember being younger and having extended family make comments about my weight. I have an aunt by marriage that I honestly don't care for and I don't think I ever have. <laughs> But she used to make snide comments at holidays and family events about my weight or how much I was eating. I remember distinctly a Thanksgiving when I was going to get a plate of food and she put her foot out in front of me to stop me from walking. And she looked at me and said, don't you want to be pretty and thin like your cousin? Why don't you get something light? <laughs> I think I was nine. <laughs> I wonder if she knows that that's the thought that went through my head, that statement that she made two years later when I threw up for the first time in my friend's bathroom. I wonder if she knows that all these years later, the reason I don't talk to her 
is because I'll never get over how cruel she was to me as a child. I believe a lot of my body issues that I developed over the years stemmed from the way that she treated me and the way that she spoke to me because I didn't have anyone speaking to me in that way in our family besides her. And the only other people who were that cruel were at school or summer camps or Bible camps or literally anywhere else that there were children my age who happened to be a smaller pant size and their parents praised them for it. My parents never made me feel bad about my weight. But they never made me feel great about getting seconds. They never made me feel great about larger portions or wanting a big bowl of ice cream. It's funny, I said something to my mom the other day. I said, you know, a lot of the time I was growing up, I said that my parents were strict. But after therapy and, you know, a lot of reflection and trying to work through traumas, I realized that I grew up in an abusive household separate from the sexual abuse I experienced as a child. I was being sexually abused by my father, you know, from the ages of four to, I think, seven or eight when my mom left him. And then it picked up again when he got visitation for about a year before he died. But before he died and after he died, my mom and my dad struggled with how to address their anger and frustration as parents, which resulted in a lot of cruel punishments and honestly even cruel comments that were made to me over the years. Um, and I had just kind of explained to my mom that, you know, I came from an abusive household in more ways than one. And what I expected to be met with anger and yelling my mom said no you're right that was huge not just for her to admit but for me to hear because while my parents never told me I was fat or ugly there was a certain expectation around food and relationships with food that if you did not meet those expectations there was a problem it was everything from comments about how I was getting a little heavier to questions like are you sure you want to have that Are you sure you want to eat that? Isn't it a little late for you to be eating? Do you really want to do that? You've been working so hard on your body. It's hard because you never want to admit that the things that 
you resented so much about your parents affect you in such a heavy way, you know? And I never realized that these subtle comments, that these deflections, that these projections of their own body issues, I never realized that that's what they were. They just felt like comments my parents were making to try to keep me in check, you know? But I internalized a lot of them. So I started throwing up sporadically if I felt I ate too much or if I felt like I was just too full when I was about 11 years old. It was a few months after I had started cutting myself. I grew up in a era where heroin chic was like the go-to body type. Everyone wanted to look like they were sickly and on drugs because it meant that they were thin and their hip bones popped out. I'll be honest with you. There's not a single point in my life that I was ever going to be that small. (laughs) But when I was younger, there was nothing from stopping me to try everything I could to do it. I threw up for years coming up with different ways to hide it from my parents or only doing it at school so that they didn't know what was happening. And it's hard because, you know, I talked in the last episode about how I used to be over 400 pounds. And there are times that my body dysmorphia makes me see that 400-pound girl in the mirror. There are also times that I see a faceless, shapeless blob, and I just can't see myself as a human. (laughs) There are times when I see myself as larger than the 400-and-something-pound girl I used to be. And it's funny because right now I'm in the 200s. There was a time when I was in college that I was thin. I mean, thin for me, not thin in general. Like I wasn't 120 pounds soaking wet, but I was a very healthy, very lean, like 160, 165 Yes, it was partially due to anorexia and bulimia, but it was also because I was really active. I was trying my best to stay on top of my body and my weight and things like that because I was in a profession where my appearance was everything. At my healthiest Well, I guess it's not even my healthiest weight because I wasn't healthy at that weight. I was unhealthy, but thin. So I guess we should say at my thinnest, at my smallest weight, body dysmorphia didn't discriminate. I see posts all the time now where people say, oh my God, I used to think I was fat years ago. And now I look at myself like, oh my God, if only I could have that body again. That's body dysmorphia. (laughs) 
And I don't think people know that it has a name. But it is. It's body dysmorphia. When I was a size 8, I was so obsessed with being a size 2 or 4 or even a 6. One pant size down and I would have been worthy of love and friendship and all the kind things people should have been saying to me. I never got to a size 2 or 4. Never even got to a size 6. And what's wild is that I believed that because of that, I deserved the treatment I was getting. I deserved the men who treated me like shit, who cheated on me, who manipulated me, who were unhealthy, who were toxic. That was what I deserved in my mind. I settled in basically every relationship that I had throughout my 20s up until the one I'm in now. Because I didn't believe that my dream man was attainable. Not because I wasn't smart enough, not because I wasn't you know, witty enough, not because I couldn't carry a conversation, but because I was a size 18. All right, that's a lie. I was a size 26 at the time. When I was at my heaviest, I was a size 26. Oh my God, that's that's so bad to say. Because now I'm a size 18 and that's an accomplishment. I'm like, oh, 18. Funny when I used to think that eight was a bad thing. (laughs) But... I was a size 24, 26. And in my mind, after years of subtle comments and subtle manipulations, deflections, projections, I had a belief system that meant the larger I was, the less I deserved the happiness that we all deserve. There's a certain sadness that I have for 2012 Angel or 2015 Angel. The angel that was 160 pounds and the angel that was 439 pounds. There's such a sadness that I feel for her because when I look back, I see tangible proof that it was never about my size. It was never about how much of my stomach hung over my jeans. It was never about how flappy my arms were or how bad my double chin looked in photos. What it was really about was that I had developed such an unhealthy relationship with food and I had lived for so long under this unhealthy belief system that 
value was tied to my size. It caused quite the spiral. Now, I'm proud to say I haven't thrown up for the purpose of losing weight um, in a very long time. And I cannot say enough how proud I am to be able to say those words. Because for over 13 years, I struggled with bulimia and anorexia pretty heavily. And no one really knew. My parents knew when I told them in high school that, you know, because there was a whole situation where, like, I got hospitalized and they made me tell my parents all my problems, you know, the fun stuff. (laughs) So I told my parents I was bulimic and, you know, I was supposed to get the help I needed and it was a whole big thing. It was a whole big shebang. But no one talks about how, like, when you're in a mental institution with a whole bunch of other people around your age that have different problems than the ones that you have, you guys kind of spitball and just, like, shoot, shoot ideas off of each other. So I learned how to hide it better, and I learned how to make it seem like I was okay, even if I wasn't, and I lived this double life. There was the life where everybody saw the girl who was healing and getting better and living and breathing and feeling free. And then there was the life that no one knew about. The life that was spent hunched over toilets or hunched in corners trying to make sure no one saw the things that I was doing to myself. And now, at 29, I'm dealing with the after effects of it all. I am almost 100% sure that a part of my skin condition has to do with the very unhealthy ways I tried to cover up and hide and sanitize my cuts and burns and things like that that I had on my body. I'm sure there's no tangible proof of it, but I it's almost, in my mind, I guess, like a karmic thing. Like, karma said, cool, you want to destroy your body? Now your body's going to just destroy itself. <laughs> After years of throwing up food and depriving my body of nutrients, my teeth have started to erode and um, become very weak. My gums have... Um, just damage from the stomach acids and things like that so now i have to go to the dentist in a few months and get like dental work done to try to reverse or repair a lot of it and it's so difficult when you sit back after therapy Or after a deep conversation with a family member or friend. And it's really hard to come to terms with the fact that. You don't know as much as you think you did. I thought I'd figured it out. You know, I thought that 
I was fine going to therapy once a week or once every other week. And that as long as I had someone to talk to about the weird stuff in between, I was fine. Here I am now in therapy twice a week, sometimes three times if I'm feeling extra crazy. And I'm talking about things that I never thought I'd bring up again. My relationship with my body has been toxic. It's been tumultuous. It's been... It's been really hard to have a positive relationship with my body. Years of trauma and abuse... Years of bullying and honestly self-deprecation. Mix it all in a pot and you get a pretty warped sense of what health and body issues look like. I mean, oh my God. But I've been challenging myself recently to give myself the love that I don't feel like I organically received when I needed it. And my hope is that in healing my trauma, I can work to heal the generational trauma that my family is dealing with. Maybe not so much on a wide scale, but even just like, you know, my immediate family you know, my grandmother passed when I was really young and, um, well, I was 13, but to me, that's really young. Um, my grandmother passed when I was really young and unfortunately, most of my life, she was a little heavier than she was used to. You know, very much like my mom, she was thin and petite in younger years, but then gained weight as she got older. And she was very vain herself and had a lot of insecurities herself, so she never really liked her picture taken. And it would break my heart 30 years from now to see my child crying on a Saturday night into a glass of wine over the fact that they have no photos with their grandparents because their grandmother didn't like the way that they looked. I try to speak kindness and love into my mother when she speaks negatively about her body because I'm hoping that over time those efforts will help to heal her or at least start the process while I am in the process of trying to heal me as well. I speak love and kindness into my sister who also struggles with her image. You know, she's on the opposite end of the spectrum. I always had a lot of extra weight or, you know, extra weight growing up. My sister, on the other hand, did not. Always very lean, very athletic. She was a dancer, is a dancer. I don't think she'll ever stop being a dancer. She was dancing in the womb, we always say. <laughs> um, but, you know, you become an adult and your metabolism slows down and you can continue the same amount of activity but gain a little bit of weight. And she's my sister is not chunky or fat or any sense of the word. In my mind, my sister is still, like, thin and kind of a knockout um 
But she has this image in her head of what her body looked like. She had this very thin, uh, petite, athletic build. And she struggles with that now, seeing more weight on herself in areas that she's not used to. And I think that's how I'm going to round out the episode, really, is just... I think that body dysmorphia gets brought up a lot when we talk about people who are heavy and see themselves heavier or thin and see themselves heavier. But not a lot of people talk about the opposite end of the spectrum, which is being thin and still wanting to be thinner. I mean, that's a large part of body dysmorphia and having these uh, issues with the way we view ourselves is trying to keep in mind that like (laughs) we can really never reach whatever goal it is we're trying to reach because the goal doesn't have a solid plan you know I never said I wanted to get to a certain pant size I never said that I wanted to get to you know a certain weight I just said that I would keep losing weight until I was happy with the way I looked. And I will be honest. I'm happier with the way I look now at 290 something pounds than I was when I was in the 160s throwing up every single day. But it wasn't easy. Didn't happen overnight. And it didn't happen just because I went to therapy. It happened because there's a challenge that I see on the internet pop up every now and then. Five minutes of random kindness can make a difference in someone's life. I have rewired that the way I'm rewiring my brain (laughs) through all my mental problems. I have rewired that to be 10 seconds of random kindness to myself can make all the difference. So when I look in the mirror, even if it's something as small as how I like the way my eyes look that day, I give myself anywhere between five seconds of kindness to a day of kindness. It is a fluctuating scale. Not every day is a good day. But I start off with just five seconds. I challenge you to do the same. Because it really can make a difference in the way that you view yourself and the way that you view your body. You know, I... I used to laugh when I would see things like, my stretch marks are are like tiger stripes and my stretch marks tell a story. I'd be like, yeah, lame. (laughs) But it's not lame. It's true. It's so true. My stretch marks tell a story, okay? And the story that they tell is that I gained so much weight drastically that the stretch marks developed. But I also lost weight drastically enough that the stretch marks are now a little deformed. I have extra skin on me. I have cellulite. 
Like I said, I have a skin condition. And let me tell you, it's not one of those skin conditions like, oh, like I just put some ointment on and it's fine. No, there's literally no helping it. And I developed these really nasty cysts like all over my body because my body is super sensitive to like everything on the planet. <laughs> my hair has dead ends. I don't shave my legs every single day. <laughs> but you know what? I am in the healthiest relationship I have ever been in. Because I no longer believe that my dream man is unattainable just because I am a certain size. Not only does my boyfriend love every inch of my weird body <laughs> but he celebrates it and on days where I might not be able to give myself more than five seconds of kindness he pours some into me so that I still get it so I challenge everyone listening to this podcast even if you don't think that you struggle with your body to look in the mirror and Really look in the mirror. Because I know sometimes we hear that and we just go glance really quick and go on about our day. No, take take some time to really spend time with yourself in the mirror. Thank your body for all it's done for you. And speak kindness into the body you have now, so it may continue to provide the things that you need. I say it like that because my body has gotten me through a lot. I have been kidnapped. I have been held hostage. I have been held as collateral. I have been abused. I have been molested. I have been raped. I have been assaulted. I have gotten into fist fights. I have been bulimic. I have been anorexic. I have self-mutilated. I have been in car accidents. I have had some personal accidents of my own just because I'm super clumsy. And this body has gotten me through it all. The fact that I'm even going to be celebrating my 30th birthday next month is something that I never thought I'd see. But this body got me here. I gotta be thankful for that. And some days my five seconds of kindness is, you look good. Some days my five seconds turns into a half hour of, Choosing to find the things that I might love about my body. But we all deserve, at minimum, the daily five seconds of kindness to ourselves. We were taught for years how to be kind to others. But they skipped over how to be kind to ourselves. How to give ourselves grace. How to give ourselves understanding and love. Have you hugged yourself recently? I know it sounds dumb, but I've 
sobbed into my own arms and felt so loved by myself in times when I felt like I had no one else. The only thing we've got our entire lives is our body. And not for nothing, if you're anything like me, you've already got enough people going against you, okay? Going against yourself is just cruel and unusual punishment. So yes, I was manipulated into hating myself. I was put in positions where loving myself didn't feel like an option. And if we're being totally honest, even at times when I should have had that magic value for a nice body, I never really felt like I deserved any of it because I was never really happy. It's hard to talk about this stuff because... I'm still not on the other end of it. I've made progress, yeah. I don't struggle as much with some of the things that I used to. But being someone who struggled with an eating disorder or self-mutilation is very similar to an addict. I will always be bulimic. I, was, I will always be anorexic. I will always be someone who cut themselves. But every single day I make a choice to keep the food down, try to eat the meals that I need to when my body feels hungry. And I try really, really hard to remind myself that cutting myself is not something that I need to do. I no longer need to punish myself for anything. I never needed to. Because it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault that I was abused. It wasn't my fault that I was bullied, but more than anything else, it wasn't my fault that other people were cruel to me. The only person I am in charge of is myself. The only person you are in charge of is yourself. And when you realize that, it feels a little more necessary to be kinder to yourself. So that's where I'm at. I'm sure I'm going to talk about this more. I've got a lot to say. But we are closing out on almost 45 minutes, which will make this the longest episode so far on this podcast and the latest at that. But I'm so serious. Take take the advice. Stand in the mirror. Give yourself the random five seconds of kindness. Because you deserve it. You deserve love. You deserve happiness. 
You deserve joy. You deserve peace. Even if it's only for five seconds in the mirror. Because I promise, five seconds, it'll turn to 10, 15, and so on and so forth. So hang in there. You got this.